It's uh, everything I dreamed of. I want to tell my dad that I love him. I still don't know what just happened. I'm just so grateful. Just so grateful for the opportunity to play this game. You know, you can accomplish anything in life you're willing to work for. The legacy is not what you give people, it's what you put inside people, but also what they put inside of me. You know, this game is getting me a lot, but at the same time, I need to get my family more. Welcome to Beyond the Locker Room with Maria. Uh, welcome back to Chris Burgett, uh, my guest who played uh, from flag football on last week. If you haven't seen it, uh, check it out. He talks about his career and and the differences between high school, but a very um, regimented Catholic high school he went to that, of course, you went to for football. You went to U of A, which I like because my sister-in-law went there, so even though I'm a Washington Husky. So we left last week with your big chance to play. Um, you were a true freshman starting, but tell me what happened. Refresh the folks. You were at U of A, true freshman, and you got your big chance to play, but didn't go so well in the first play. Yeah. So thanks for having. We're not me. kickoff teams. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I, like I was saying last week, is that you know right before the half, the starting All American goes down. And I'm, I'm the number one guy starting a defense tackle on special teams. So we go through the halftime, getting pumped up. You're now starting in the Pac-10 as an 18-year-old freshman, true freshman. And then the opening kickoff, second half, um, I got – I just – it was a bad – it was kicking the end zone. The ball was whistled dead. And so I got hit by two guys going full speed, and I, I just stepped back to brace it, and I just corkscrewed my leg. And I had a con- – a, a fracture wasn't compound, but it was, a, you know, tibia plateau, which is one of the worst – your weight-bearing bone. So I ended up from that injury having a surgery the next day, right from there. And I was in a uh, leg cast, no pressure for three months, couldn't walk. And uh, the only nice part about that part was in a big campus, I had my own golf cart to go to classes. <laughs> I can just see you. I'm sure you oh, were yeah. with everyone on campus. Yeah, so I had a golf cart. That was kind of fun. Oh, that's funny. So the next day, did you have any uh, hardware put in? Uh, no, they just, they set my leg and, uh, yeah, I'll never forget because, you know, it was interesting when that, when I actually injured my leg, they're on the, I was flopping like a fish on the field and they're holding me down. I'll never forget. They're trying to test for ligaments. They didn't know I had shattered my knee. And so they're all trying to do the ligament test and they're holding me down. I'll never forget one. Just, I heard the guy shut up freshman, like take it, you know, like this is just a, it's a, you know, ligament, you know, your MCL. Well, it wasn't. And they realized, you know, so that next day I probably had two coaches, people from the administration, they're all in the hospital room and, you know, tell me that the, the severity of my injury, once they x-rayed my leg, they, they knew it was pretty bad when they cut off you. Cause you have to have leg braces as linemen. Everyone had a mandatory wear them and all that stuff, but you know what it is, what it is. And uh, that was my injury. And uh, you don't like to think that one play can define your career, but uh, that play was a, a definitely a catalyst, but I did go on to play two more years. So you're the big freshman, you know, you get this chance. What does that do for your mindset? I mean, especially to, in today's day, you know, mental health is at the topic of everyone, especially after two years that we just went through. But what is your mindset? You're like, yay. And then, you know, you're like, I can't even walk. Yeah, you know, it, it's devastating. And just trying to keep positive because, you know, at that t- uh, level, you get one injury like that, the setback, you lose a step of quickness, you know, it, it really alters things. So it was hard, um, but the coaches were great and I was able to stick it out. And I came back my, my, my second year and I redshirted, but I still traveled. I got to be with the team. And that was for me mentally, 
where I'm not on a scout team getting beat up every day, you know, so I was good enough to be as a reserve backup. If someone went down, I would have come in, but I didn't have to that year. So, um, so I redshirted my, my, my second year. So I was a redshirt sophomore that year. Well, and I would think that being with the team, A, is mentally great. Everyone's cheering you on. Um, I can't imagine the rehab. It's different than a ligament rehab. But, yeah. you know, today's day, they have so much technology. And back then, I'm sure you had to work your A-double-S off. Oh, yeah, you work, you work your tail off for sure. H-double hockey sticks, whatever people say. So I, you know what, I worked out really hard. That's one thing I, you know, I thank my parents for is that drive and determination. I worked out every day. I trained because I wanted to come back. I wanted to play. And, it, you know, you're, you're doing ice baths every day, which, uh, you know, was difficult. You're, <laughs> you're training, you have to do so much more because you do lose a step. And then just going through that next year and knowing you're not where you used to be and may never get it back. You just don't know, um, makes you really try to, you know, overcome adversity and, and push through it. And I did. And up until I came back my third year and I started as a defensive tackle at Arizona, I had a really good year, made the clock club which is for performing at high level and on the defensive unit back then. And um, so I, uh, yeah, so I overcame and got us to my third year and I was excited because you still think, wow, if I can continue, do you, you know, is there a chance to go to the NFL? You know, I, I really, it, it kind of, after that injury, it wasn't really a thought, um, but I did have a good year up until we played in the Sun Bowl against the Georgia Bulldogs. So that was my, uh, th the next part I should say. So, you're at the Sun Bowl. You had a great year um, to get to the Sun Bowl against Georgia. Any year, you have to be a good team. Yes. So you're there. Take me through the game. And unfortunately, when you had your career ending injury. Yeah, it was it was something that it, um, it actually is kind of weird. Um, Georgia back then was this is the, the two years after Herschel Walker had just left Georgia. You know, he was the Heisman Trophy winner. Oh, my God. We're playing the Georgia Bulldogs, which is a really fun, you know, bowl game is right after Christmas. And um, so uh, but as I remember when I got hurt, then I was just running down the field before the game and something clicked in my leg and I, and I couldn't even bend it. I'm like, Oh, my God. And I, you know, the trainer saw it and I, and I just I didn't say anything. I was fine. I played the whole game. And uh, had a good game. And we ended up tying, probably the only tie you'll ever see in college sports. We tied them 13-13. We had the All-American field goal kicker, you know, drives down and with a 30-yard chip shot misses it, which didn't miss all year. So we tied the Georgia Bulldogs. But, um, and then it was it was after that game. It was very interesting. I, um, I, you know, I knew, gosh, you know, I had a good year, but something was wrong with my leg again. You know, something was, you know, a piece of bone chip was, you know, causing my leg to lock up. So they went in and did another surgery and I flew down and saw the Curlin Joe clinic in LA, Dr. Curlin, you know, he's passed away since, but one of the top, you know, leading orthopedic surgeons. And he looked at my leg and he said, son, if I was you, I'd give up football, take up gin rummy, never play it down again. And I looked at him like crying, oh my God. And I, so I'll never forget hearing this from the top orthopedic surgeon looking at my legs, yeah. one of the worst things he's ever seen. So I call up my coach, I'm down in California. And I said, coach, you know, this is exactly what I was just told. And he goes, Chris, he goes, I've seen people come back and go on to have amazing careers. I see people come back and ruin their lives. Whatever you do, I'll back you 100%. I said, send me my papers. I'm done. And that was it. That was the end of my career. Well, that was smart. Before, I mean, did you talk to your parents about it? Did they say, you know, son, you got to not do this? No, you know, dad, dad had taken me to that appointment. And okay. they're, they, you know, they knew. I mean, seeing me, you struggle for the three years playing. And it's just... You know, like like I said, when you're when you're playing against that type of level, and each injury when you come back from a surgery, 
you know, then I, I think my playing weight was maybe 255, 260. And so you drop 15, 20 pounds. So to try to, you know, get ready for the season to go against, you know, big linemen every day and, and just the stress and the wear and tear. And after having, that was my second surgery, you know, bone surgery in, in, in school. And I'm like, it just, you know, I, it was, it was, it was a pretty easy decision, not easy from the standpoint, it was tough, but in my head, I'm like, there's no way I can, you know, play, you know, two more years and not keep ruining my knee, you know, yeah, I wanted to have no. a better You're smart. A lot of people would have gone, no, I need to play. I need to play. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of them do. And, you know, people go on and they have great careers and some ruining their bodies, you know, at a higher level than you and I did. So not to poo poo it, but you, it was just running. So what actually happened? You, the bone was, healed uh, and then what happened? Chip, you know, because I, I it's just, they, when every surgery I'd have, they go, they do a joint debridement where they take out bone chips because I shattered my tibia. So it was just a piece of bone that would come loose and it would get in between your, your, your kneecap and it would just cause your leg to lock and you couldn't bend it. I'm like, whoa. And you work it out and it worked out. And so I, I like I said, I played the whole game you know, with the bone chip that was causing it to lock up. But I played and uh, which, I, you know, you when you're in the middle of the game, you don't care. You want to play. I don't yeah. care if you can walk, you're going to play. Yeah. Maybe. So you had surgery two, number two. You've had a few more than that. In fact, I always remember. Um, how many? Uh, well, I've had 18 total. So I'm gonna... Go ahead. Sorry. No, I had two in college. And then since then, I had 16 more. So what happened? And I'll never forget. I'll, you were on crutches. I saw you at Starbucks in Ketchum, Idaho. This was years back, and I was like, "You're like, yeah, I don't have. Did you not have a kneecap then? I can't remember. It was something that you like. I was uh, like, how are you even walking? What happened was I I had an elective knee replacement in 2008 up here, and I got a bone infection, and it took seven years to get rid of the infection. And so, um, what happened was they put in your your new knee titanium leg. And when you get the infection, they had to take out all the titanium and they put an antibiotic spacer in my leg. So I had antibiotics. So I had nothing in there. I couldn't walk. There's no knee, no kneecap, no nothing except for antibiotics in my, the cavity where the the knee replacement was. So that wasn't the first one. I've had a couple of those uh, knee, um, uh, you know, spacers put in there over the years. So it took all that time. You've had all these surgeries, you know. I would just curl up and cry because yeah. it's like, how did you, and I always like to go back to the mental, how did you get through all of that? And does it still bother you today? Oh yeah. My, my life. Well, so, so I, like I said, I had the two in college and then I, I over the next 20 years, I, I, every two years, it seemed like I had another joint debridement, just a, a scope surgery, which, you know, in the big, everyone, Oh, I got my leg scoped on. It's not like, it wasn't like a big deal. Cause I kind of had two in college. I was used to a scope and downtime. And, you know, I was very athletic and still doing a lot of stuff at a high level um, with those scopes allowed me to. And then the reason what happened was I moved to Idaho because I wanted to hunt and fish and, and hike these mountains and do what we love up here and ski and all that stuff. So I had elective knee replacement and it's a risk of surgery. You get an infection and I have some advice for people looking to knee replacements or hip replacements. But so when I got the, um, like I said, when I had the surgery, I got the infection, it took seven years to get rid of. And so I've had eight knee replacements in the last 13 years. I think it is because of the infection and a couple how do of you, I mean, how do you move on with your day when you can't, I mean, you're, 
you know, it, 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 you have no choice. You really don't. You can either choose to be miserable and, and you know, uh, feel sorry for yourself, or you can just choose to do the best you can with what your circumstances are. I mean, that's you, all I can do. Well, yeah. your family obviously helped um, and your wife now. And, you know, did you ever have to talk to someone besides family and friends? And that's, there's no shame in that. No, no. You know what? I, I, I don't. So no, I mean, I've been to a lot. I've had a lot of doctors. Um, you know, we had a little incident where my last knee replacement. Um, so I, I did have to talk to someone because we were my last surgery. Um, we had, we were, my wife and I made national news. We were a victim of crime and my, my lower implant broke loose because of this. And so I had, that was my last knee surgery was in 2019. So that was, so it's been three years since my last replacement. And that was just my lower part that had to go in. But anytime you do a, a revision or revision replacement, it, they're harder than the original because they got to keep going deeper and get new bone. And so, yeah, no, my whole leg is titanium, basically <laughs> almost down to my ankle. I've had so many surgeries and my last one, I, you know, had a 33% chance of losing my leg from above the knee, but it didn't happen. So I'm so careful now because the next one, it won't be, there's just no room for a next. And uh, so I'm grateful every day. I just want to walk. If, if you can walk, it's, it's life is good. I go to the gym, I can ride a bike and I can walk. It's like, it's very grateful. Which is crazy because we live in a town. I tell everyone, wherever I go to travel, I'm like sporty spice. Ooh, you work out, you're in shape. In Ketchum and Sun Valley and Haley, Idaho and Bel- yeah. the Wood River Valley, people are just nutty yeah. in shape. Yeah. yeah, they are. And I feel like a toad right now. I mean, I'm, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, they are in shape, but I, you know, we have a beautiful gym here and you, you know, when you've gone through this type of adversity, you just, if you can't wake up and be grateful that you're alive or walking, then that's what it is for me every day. And I, you know, it's hard. I see people on the mountain. I, you know, I see people running and all these things. And it's like, you know, it's, it, it, it's, you know, it is what it is. What are you going to do? You can either, you know, just choose to, uh, you know, not feel sorry for yourself. Otherwise, you know, you would be choosing other things that would not be uh, the more destructive. And so, yeah, so I'm, I, life is life is good. I'm I'm happy the experience of sports, you know, as hard as it was, you know, it, um, you know, I, I still have nothing but, you know, good memories of what athletics did for me, you know, pushing. Well, me. and it made you who you are today. And I, I really have to, it's such a, a, for me, people can just, you know, we both have had so much cancer touching our lives, not me personally, but, you know, family and friends and, you just really have to wake up. My dad used to go, God rest his soul. He used to go, I go, how are you today? Baba, daddy in Greek. How are you today? He goes, I read the obituaries and I'm not in them. So it's going to be a good thing. Oh, that's a good one. Isn't that a good, and it's so true. I mean, I'm here and it's, you know, 12 hours a day, big, big whoop, 20 some days in a row. I'm, you know, making money. I, the rodeo is my, you know, it's my family. And it's like, you just have to, wherever you are, appreciate where you are and that you weren't in the obituaries that day. hundred percent. I mean, and everyone has it worse than you. You know, I talked to some friends and you know, everyone likes to complain and this and that, but then you hear a story like yours. It's like, you know, in this sporty spice town that we live in. And it's like, you know, you were just happy to get up yeah. and enjoy life. Go for and, a walk. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. And pursue, and you will get into a little bit of it. I mean, you went through all this and you're, I'm always like, what email do you have? You've, you've started and worked for all these great companies and, 
and you're just always pushing yourself. And do you think a lot of that, I mean, obviously came from your family and your career and what you've had all the adversity in your life you've had to go through. Yeah. Well, I, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur, you know, out of Stanford, he started a company very successful and sold it. So I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. So I'm a serial entrepreneur and I've probably started seven companies, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad, but we've been very close, every one of them and different things have happened, different exit strategies. We still have one out there in the sports world. So yeah, I, I feel like, um, you know, I, I just, I love being in, in the startup and the excitement of trying to create something that people can use and, you know, do good with. Well, and talk about, is it the draft card, the one that um, you started for the electronic stats yeah, and all that? So that one. So uh, it's a kind of funny story. So I'm up here and one of my best friends who's up here too, he had bought a company called NCSA and it stands for Next College Student Athlete. So they hired me as a head scout recruiter and they've helped place over 70,000 athletes. There's a thousand employees out of Chicago. And I, so I did social media and I was a head scout and I was an Olympic scout. So I did all sports, not just football. And uh, it was, so it was a lot of fun. I spent two years, but while working with this company, I, I just kept saying, gosh, it'd be nice to have these, you know, like the, their picture, because you'd have a resume with a little headshot in the upper left with their bio and everything. I'm like, gosh, if we could put all that data into that picture, like an old baseball trading card. So we started a company called Draft Card and bought the name, raised a million dollars and launched Draft Card. So it's a, a platform to help kids with these verified resumes, share them through social media. And uh, so we're still out there. And but then the pandemic hit really altered life as we know it for, you know, a startup, you know, trying to, you know, you're in the process of raising and, and getting your brand out there. These schools couldn't travel. It just so it's pretty much shut us down. It's still there. We've uh, had a call this morning. Uh, my wife is running that. I'm involved. And um, we have a couple of partners, really good partners behind it. So that's still alive. One of my one of the startups I've been, you know, was involved in starting called Draft Card. I love it. And you, okay, you have a book in progress. I was supposed to write a book during the pandemic, yeah. like a lot of people did, and I did not. And then I kept going, okay, when this person, it has to deal with cancer and, and older parents. And I was like, and then this person, when yeah. she's in remission, the book will be done. It gives me two years. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't working a lot. So what, and, but of course you, cause you're a serial entrepreneur and you're, yeah. you can't sit still. Your mind is always going. Yeah. So you're, uh, have a book in progress as well. Yeah. Well, so the funny story on that one. And, um, so back in the day I used to, I dated an artist and it was always about the artist way. This Julia Cameron came out with this book called the artist way. And it was a way of unleashing the creative juices of artists and, they had all the morning notes to kind of, you know, and she made a gazillion dollars. And I remember the day I heard about that, I got the URL called the Hunter's Way. I've had it for over 10 years, just holding on to it. And then um, when when the pandemic hit and with our experience, what happened with the, um, the rideshare operator with our, our, our deal. And then uh, I think, I, I don't know if I told you this, but at Christmas, a year ago, Christmas, our, our home was burglarized. My arm fell on meth. Can't make this stuff up. Our Arlo's camera caught the person. And because of those experiences, uh, I decided to, you know what, I'm going to activate that URL with the Hunter's Way. And it's going to be the Hunter's Way surviving today's modern times, you know, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's crime, you know, that you're dealing with, um, just the changing world politically and what's kind of happened and how you, you know, can survive what's happening. I, you know, whether it's, you know, your power goes out, you get a flat tire, you come across someone as a little, you know, this, there's just things that, so I've been working on this. I hired a ghost writer and 
Um, been having a lot of fun. Just got the book cover there day. I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, let's, it's not bad, you know. And I'm, you know, I'm like, you know, who's gonna run and read the Hunter's Way? But I like the title. I've always loved the, you know, the Hunter's Way. And again, with what's happening in this crazy world, it just there's some things that we can all learn. And you know, so that's I what I'm working. That. That's the book. <laughs> well, and you inspire me because, like I said, you're always working on something. And yeah. we talked about this before this call and you're like, you know, because this whole thing is how football affected your life. And, you know, the hunter's way, how do you do 18 surgeries for goodness? Christ. You know, I still, again, I'd be boohooing in the corner yeah. and that's okay too, but you have yeah. to get help. And if you need it and you right. just survived all that and you just keep thriving. Well, I mean, thriving for, you know, thriving is, I, I feel very good. And yeah. So, you know, those, those things will all just keep, you know, pushing you along to kind of push yourself. And, and then I think uh, I told you, I started red Idaho. And um, so very excited about that too, right around with the hunter's way um, because of being broken into and these different experiences. Uh, we started red Idaho, which has been selling our hats down at the different stores here. Everyone really loved what we're doing, red Idaho. And I always say, it doesn't matter if you're red or blue, we're all red, white, and blue, you know, right off the start. But there's certain things out there happening that, you know, made me really kind of stand up and whether it's our Second Amendment and, you know, I, I love the hunt fish. I love the outdoors. So there's a lot of things I, I like to do with our Red Idaho. And when Virginia flipped, we rebranded to Red United States and we rolled out Red Texas, Red Florida. We have 14 states right now. Just raised a lot of money to help, you know, kind of we're selling merchandise and we're supporting different, you know, candidates and just having fun, you know? And so that's my, my latest adventure. My goodness. There's a lot going on. And if you can stay positive and turn, you know, lemons into lemonade, like you have for all your endeavors, yeah. I think it's fantastic. So a couple last closing questions. Um, favorite. Do you have one favorite football memory of your career? It can be flag or what stands out that you were like, that was a turning point in my life. Uh, when we won the sophomore championship game, we all went to the pool and celebrated jumping off the high dive in your pads, all in your pads. That was pretty fun. I have to say, looking back, I wish I had some bigger career moment where I, you know, I recovered a fumble and ran in for a touchdown. But no, I think celebrating with my team and the accomplishment, that was a pretty fun, you know, I always look back on and go, God, how fun was that? And then I always end with, you've talked about it the last uh, two podcast vlogs, um, how has football affected your life? That's the theme here. Um, you know what? It, it's it, a big question. It's a huge question. I I, I don't, uh, I would say that the biggest thing is the discipline to keep going on. I mean, you got to push yourself every day. Everyone's got circumstances. So it, you know, overcoming adversity has been my big thing with all the surgeries for one, but when you when you're in a team sport and you're surrounded by good people like that, that kind of it, it makes you um, more of a, a team player. And I still feel like that today. You know, I'm a team player, um, but yet it gives you just a drive that you will just never give up. <laughs> That's what it is for me, because if you don't, if you do give up, you're done. You give up on the field, you're getting buried by a 300 pound line. I mean, so you got to just give it all you have every day and be grateful. That's my big thing. Well, and you always are. You always have a smile on your face, even when I see you and you can't put pressure on your leg over the no leg. I can't walk, but I'm alive. <laughs> life yeah, is you're good. like, but I'm having my latte and it's life <laughs> is good. And we can all learn from that because 
like I said, everyone has their deal and it's all relative. But when you talk to someone like you, who's overcome all this and then, you know, robbed at gunpoint, all, I mean, it's just like, and you're still smiling and you're still grateful. Well, I, well, and I'm grateful for you being on this time with you. And I, I appreciate this. This has been quite a, quite a lot of fun. Oh, well, uh, thank you for coming on. Um, we'll have all of Chris's endeavors in the um, down below. So click on those. Don't forget to hit the, the subscribe button if I can speak. I've been having problems in Texas speaking with all my Get a latte. Get a letter of the latte. I do. I need more caffeine. And uh, tune in. There's more with Beyond the Locker Room. And don't forget all the past episodes are great as well. But thank you to my friend Chris. And we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.